almost everybody in this room, almost everybody in this room, has played a really large part in that. So this is a church family. Okay, this is a church family. Um, we are not at the point yet where we have like official membership classes and we have that structure in place yet. At some point we will. It is not there yet. But basically, if you come here and like you pray for people here and you give your money here and like you listen and, and serve here, it's basically your church home, your church family. And so it might seem you know, kind of casual because we can dress however and kind of come in. But, um, you know, in reality, the way I see it is if people are here and like their regulars here and they're involved and they're pouring their hearts in, that's my family. And so, uh, as a family, like you share good news, you keep people involved, like you communicate that. And I wanted to share this morning uh, just a little bit about Judson, that's our new little one, about Judson... Yes. I wanted to share a little bit with you about Judson and his birth and uh, Julie and just prayer. And my idea this morning is to just you know, say thank you. That's what I want to do with the message. I just want to say thank you and I want to encourage you and I hope I equip you. I hope those three things happen. So um, it's not like I'm like leaving the Bible and leaving you know the passage. I just feel like the Spirit just wants to say, hey, this is your church family. You guys got to share in this. You know, prayer played, played a huge part and everybody should know kind of the details involved in that. So if you're okay with that, that's what we're going to do. Um, it's, it's not uh, intended to be real long, but the idea is just to encourage and equip you and, and let you know what's going on. And, and I hope you could take away from this morning and be like, I want to take some of that and put that more into my life. I, I want to like ask God for more in my life in that way. So, so that's my hope. Okay? Um, so, forget Matthew. Um, go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And so uh, we might need a page shout out because I'm, I know, I'm usually pretty bad at that. I should have that ready and for whatever reason I just forget a lot. So James chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 16, that's where we're going to be. The title of the message, anybody have a page number? 856, nice. 856, title of the message is The Confidence of the Faithful, The Confidence of the Faithful. So, in your bulletin here, we had to get the juices flowing for this morning, right? There's always a few questions that lead into what we're going to talk about. The first one is the one that we asked our neighbor in the beginning. Where were you born? So, people were born all over the place. Uh, I was born in New London, Lawrence Memorial Hospital. Any other of those? Nah, I didn't think so. Thought I'd try, anyways. Um, Second one. When was the last time you had to go to the hospital as a patient? You know, I don't know when that was for you, but um, that's fresh in our minds at least in the Murphy family. And then the bonus question. Does God ever not listen to prayers? Is there a point in time where he's just like, no, I don't want to hear it. I'm not listening. Something to think about. Because if he does, well, when does that happen? And how does that happen? And what does that look like? And then if he never does, well, I guess, you know, we can just pray whatever, whenever, however we feel. So, 
Um, we had, yes, the picture of... Uh, can we put Judson back up there? There he is. Look at that little guy. So, um, uh, you know, there's a part of that picture that's supposed to be, like, blocked out. That's just... <laughs> I'm sorry, Judson. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just, you know... And there he is again. So I had a couple pictures I brought in. At least that one's okay. Oh, Julie's not going to be happy. All right. So let me give you the backdrop, okay, as far as Judson goes. So, so we have Jaron, you know, our first little guy. Um, and, and now we have Judson. So, uh, as far as, so it starts with Julie, right? It starts with Mama. It starts with Mama. Many times it does, right? Um, so Julie, um, she has this, uh, and, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but she has this uh, anomaly, we call it, or uniqueness, I call it, to her, physically, where on the inside, she has this thing called uterine didelphus. Good luck spelling that. Uterine didelphus. And so she's got some differing things going on in there. And so because of that, she is considered very high risk when she gets pregnant. And so we have to see a high risk group and we have to go very regularly to go um, see them, especially towards the end. We go like every week. Um, and so we get lots of ultrasounds and all kinds of stuff. They monitor her very closely. Um, the way in her uterine didelphus, her anomaly, um, she can actually carry a baby um, in like two different places, believe it or not. As crazy as that sounds. So for Jaren, she carried Jaren on one side, on the right-hand side. And then for Judson, she happened to get pregnant on the other side, so she carried him on the left-hand side. It is possible to get pregnant on both sides. How crazy is that? Um, I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. So for Jaren, right? So when she had Jaren, the right side did not respond really well. So she had to have a C-section and during the C-section she lost um, a lot of blood from hemorrhaging um, in her uterus and they told her they, she lost, I think it was uh, almost four uh, almost four pints of blood and uh, which is pretty close to how much you have in your body and they said, hey listen, if this you know was not done in uh, America, you know, you wouldn't have made it. And so um, and there was complications, you know, with Jaren you had to be in the ICU, you know, right away uh, because of some infections and things that happened because the um, labor process was not good. And so we just thank God. Man, God, thank you for sparing our son. Thank you for sparing my wife. It was just, it was awesome. So this next time around, we're considering, you know, planning for a family. And I remember the first time. And I told Julie, I'm like, babe, we are not doing this again. It was too painful last time. And it's really dangerous. And uh, she's like, I know, but look at him. He needs another brother. He's so cute, you know. So she just remembers that stuff. And I remember all the hard work, man. Just She did about 40 hours of labor, and it was tough back labor. And it was just, like, not fun. And the other side, right? I want to give you guys the whole picture here. So it might sound like I'm rambling, but I'm trying to give you the whole picture. The other side of the equation is if we have baby number two, the other thing that we also have to consider is that if it is, if it is a girl, 
just to pause for a minute. If it is a girl, right, I have alopecia, right? I have no hair. I don't know if you noticed, but I don't have any hair. I look the same pretty much every week. So that could possibly happen to our next child. It could happen to Jaron at any minute. Um, it could happen to Judson at any minute. If it was a girl too, like that weighs a lot heavier, you know, in our minds. It's like, man, you know, for a guy, it's already super hard. And I can give you stories on that. But if it's a girl, it's like, oh, in our day and age, beauty is, you know, everything. And so we had to like consider that, and then the, the possible dangers of her having the next one. So right away, we're like, oh man, you know, I don't know if we want to do this. But as we continue to talk and pray about it, we're like, okay, well. Are we going to not make a decision because we're afraid of the outcome? Because if we are, we're pretty much saying that whatever we decide, we're just basing it on fear and fear alone. And so we're like, no, we ain't doing that. And so, uh, and so we came together, and um, it took a little while for uh, us to get pregnant with Jaron. It was like immediate, basically, with Judson. Couldn't believe it. And it was on the other side. And so now going into it, my wife... Maybe there's some people here that can relate. My wife is the type where as soon as she finds something or hears something, she runs right to the books, right to the internet, finds every article about everything and researches the heck out of it. And it's not like everything on the internet is true and that it's all good. And so she's like, okay, you know, next time around, I have this uterine didelphus. What does the pregnancy look like? Um, if I try to have what's called a V-back, a vaginal birth, after cesarean is that possible can we do it how dangerous is it and so now she's reading all this stuff all these horror stories and uh, she's even driving the doctors nuts because she comes in and she's asked these questions and she the doctor's like are you where are you getting this from well i read a study you know but all these numbers and all so now all this information is flooding her head and so I'll give you some of it, right? So many doctors, they won't even do what's called a VBAC, so like a vaginal birth after cesarean. They, they won't even do it, especially with her condition. You don't that devil. They just won't touch it because it's too dangerous. Many insurance companies, they won't cover the procedure either. Uh, because malpractice, they don't even want to uh, touch it, so it won't be covered under that. For many, not all, but for many. Um... Only 0.1 to 0.5% of the population even have, has, you know, what she has. And the percentage of her carrying to full term and then having the baby vaginally is, it was like under 10%. It's very low. So, I don't know what kind of person you are. You load your head with that information. It could be tempting to maybe start to worry a little bit. It could be tempting to be anxious. It could be tempting to be stressful. It could be tempting to think that your fate is pretty much determined by these numbers. And so now that is where the Murphy family is at, probably, you know, about, you know, eight months or so ago. Okay, now what are we going to do with this? So that's what we're sitting there with. And for us, we decided this time around, hey, we are not messing around. We're going to try and get God involved in every single aspect of this entire uh, labor process, uh, delivery process, everything. 
And so we wanted to make prayer just a real cornerstone. Not just in our family, but just trying to involve everybody around us. And as a side note, before we read the passage, we're going to read it right now. As a side note, as I prayed, I was like, Lord, like we know all this information, we have all these percentages, and I'm praying for my wife, I'm like, God, you know, just give her strength and help her not mind not be focused so much on the numbers. Let's just be focused on whatever you have for us and know that you've gone before us and that you're big enough and that you're smart enough and that you love us enough that you will take care of us. Like, help these things to dominate her mind. Help your promises to dominate her mind. And I can tell you, honestly tell you, that I felt in my spirit as I prayed that stuff, I really felt like God made it clear to me, not through some crazy supernatural way. I, I, I wish I kind of had a story like that, but I don't. I just can tell you through that prayer time, I feel like God made it clear. He's like, you're having, bless you, you're having that baby vaginally. And I was like, really? I said, like, like, you think so? And so I just keep praying that, but it's had this peace in the sense that it was going to happen. For whatever reason. And it doesn't make, like, Jaren's birth illegitimate in any way because it's C-section, but just for whatever reason, this one I just felt like that's what was going on. So, I wanted to talk about more about how like the prayers, your prayers. That's what I want to say thank you for, are your prayers. So I wanted to thank you for that. And I wanted to maybe give a little bit of insight how they played a role and then just close with, you know, how can we just like bring this into our lives more often and like ask God for more and like believe God for more and walk around thinking that our prayers are actually doing something. And not even just doing something, doing a lot. So that's my hope. So James 5, let's take a look here. It's not, it's not a lot. James 5, verse 16. And honestly, I just even want to look at the second part, not even the first part. I know Roger gave us the first part, but our focus is, is more on the second part. It says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And let me open up a prayer, because we didn't do that yet. So Lord, I pray that you just bless this message and... I just thank you, God, for uh, this church family and for the way that you're growing it. And um, God, we just ask that you would continue to teach us and show us how to talk to you in such a way where your will can come and work through our lives. We need that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, honestly, this is where I know you guys all have the NIV Bibles, or at least that's what I put out there, unless you brought your own Bible. You may have brought your own Bible. No rule against that. If you bring your own Bible, and it's uh, maybe King James or New King James, I think they do a better job translating here than the NIV. And I I have it up here. And uh, here's what it says in comparison. It says the effective... Let's all read it together. It's not a lot. Sound good? The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's a refrigerator verse right there. That's a promise right there. That's a promise from God's word that that happens. It says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Like That's one we want to memorize. This idea of prayer is very, very interesting. Throughout the Bible, and like, you know, the Bible maybe students and the Bible bangers can research me on this. But as far as my research goes so far, Bible bangers is not an insult. It's not a bad thing. So, if you do, right? So we have thick skin here. 
So if you look into the Word, as far as I've looked so far, the disciples have approached Jesus and they said, hey, teach us how to do one thing. It wasn't like teach us how to pray. It wasn't even teach us how to get along with other people. It was, Lord, teach us how to pray. There's something different when Jesus prayed than when they prayed. Something totally different. And they walked around and they noticed it. And they're like, why is it so different when he goes around and prays than when we pray? Why so different? Well, it says up here, it says, The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here's like the most important part, the center point of this verse right here. The prayers become powerful, they become purposeful, and they become impactful when righteousness is there. So our position with God matters. Everybody say righteousness. This is a really important word, and I hope I get it across, hopefully, in a good way. Righteousness. I am curious, by a show of hands, how many people would feel like they are actually righteous in this room? I am just curious. I'm curious. Yeah, because this is like honest, real talk here, right? So just righteous. Okay, so nice. So then how many people in here would say, by a show of hands, that they think that they are more righteous than like, let's say, Mother Teresa? More righteous than Mother Teresa? Okay. How many people would say more righteous than, let's say, James, who wrote it, right? St. James. See, it's interesting, right? This idea of righteousness, because this is the center point of our prayers. Because this affects, like, how we go and where we go from here. Because if I'm coming to God and I'm thinking that I'm righteous, I'm probably thinking God's going to hear me and I'm probably thinking that my prayers are going to do something. And so I'm probably going to invest more of myself into it. If I come to God thinking, you don't know what I said last night, or what I did, or what I was watching, or what I've been listening to, or what I've been talking to. And so, that might not make us feel also righteous. And I could definitely see, and I think you could see, how that would affect our approach to our prayers. Right? There is very good news. There is very, very good news. Romans 4.5. I have it up here. Romans 4.5. Here's what it says. And hopefully I have it up there. I put a bunch of verses up there for him. We could flip there if we need to. Let's flip there. Let's go to Romans. Go to the left. Go to the left. Go to Romans. Chapter 4, verse 5. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Because I think that if we can grasp this part of the conversation really well, this is really going to change how we pray. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. It says, However, to the man or woman who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Everybody say faith. faith. His faith 
is credited to him as righteousness. But to him who does not work, so check this out, right? Him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted from righteousness. So, how righteous are you dependent, or rephrase it, how does your righteousness depend on what you do? Not a whole heck of a lot. Now bear with me, that might sound weird and strange. The assumption is if that you believe a certain way, you act that way. That's the assumption. Is that you're at least that much of an honest person. You believe one way and you live out that way. So if you really believe on Jesus Christ and what He did for us, then you live out that way. You are righteous. Does not mean you are perfect. Does not mean you didn't sin last night. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know who you talked to. I don't know what you did this past week. But, if you came in and man during worship time, he brought that thing up, or maybe right now he's bringing that thing up, and you have that opportunity to repent of that, and you do, and you say, Lord, you're right. I did it. I'm sorry. Or maybe it was, I did it again. I'm sorry. And that repentance comes, you're righteous. That's the qualification, is to believe on what Jesus did. That's it. If you don't believe me, we'll check another one. 2 Corinthians 5. We're not doing a bunch of these, just only two. 2 Corinthians 5. That one should be up there too, so we don't have to turn there. It says, For He made Him, Jesus, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's the way it worked. Because we couldn't handle sin. We can't take care of it. That's the gospel message. We can't do it. Jesus did it for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It says that right there. We become the righteousness of God because Jesus took care of it. So now, are you as righteous as Mother Teresa? Absolutely. You might not feel it. You might not have all the works to back it up. I know I sure don't. St. James. You probably don't have... You you know, you're not going to live the life he lived. St. Peter. You're not going to live the life he lived. Special calling in that guy's life. But, are you righteous? Because that's the question. Because God can do amazing and powerful things through you if that position of righteousness is accounted for. If it's dealt with. That's the centerpiece. And if I come to God and I approach Him, I pray to Him like, Lord, be with our son. Like, touch Judson, I don't know. Help Julie's mind. Protect her mind from just all this crap that's coming in there. If I'm praying that thinking like I'm sort of righteous and like, well, I kind of had a good week so now I can pray it. But then the next week like I was bad and I was impatient and I had other crap in my life. Well, then I can't pray it. You just like live this life like this and it's... How is that victorious in Jesus Christ in any way? Not in any way. And the thing that jacks up like a lot of people sometimes is because Christianity just really going straight biblical is the only faith that says righteousness is imparted to us by faith alone just by that faith we just had Halloween right 
It's also Reformation Day, in case you didn't know it. Martin Luther went up to the Catholic Church. He nailed up there these things called the 95-page thesis. And he said, hey, you guys got to fix what you're doing here. Some of the stuff is just not right. And so that actually happened on Halloween Day. And his big message is that justification, righteousness, is by faith alone and in Christ alone. Many other faiths would say, hey, listen, you're good before God as long as you believe it and you do this other stuff. But what happens to the person who they just believed it, but then they die in a car accident an hour later? They didn't get a chance to do all the other stuff. That's because it's not the way it works. We just read right here, Abraham was credited to him as righteousness. If we believe in Jesus Christ, it's credited to us as righteousness. Do you feel righteous? Maybe, sometimes, I don't know. But if you have a faith in Christ that is alive and active and intentional, you are righteous. I hope that helps in some way, shape, or form. Because what Satan does, he uses all of our past history of all the mistakes and loads it on us like, you are so far from unrighteous, you've got to be kidding me to even approach God right now. Can't fall for those traps. That's why we need to know the Word and what it says. Because if we just base our relationship with Christ just on how we're feeling in the moment, we are in so much trouble. So that's the center point. James 5, we can go back to that verse, you could bring it up there. With the James 5 verse, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so I wanted to involve what, who I believe, right? So when I think of my church family and those that profess to be Christians and trust Jesus with their life, I know that all your prayers, I get them all in. That does a lot. I know it and I believe it with all my heart. It's unbelievable. I I just know it. There's no way we would have had that little baby come out the way that he came out without those prayers. And that's just part of it. There's no way my wife would have been able to handle it mentally because the mental thing is like what kills us. Mentally been able to deal with all the stuff and garbage surrounding it without your prayers. There was other stuff to get to, but we're not going to get to all that. So let me just leave you with one question. So then, how can we tell that we approach God with prayer? Hopefully we have this issue of righteousness like squared away with. If we don't, we'll stand and we'll pray in a minute and hopefully we can square that away with God. We'll take care of it now and like let's be in good position to come to God and have the doors open. Because, you know, just reciting prayers, you know, the Our Father prayer, like that's good and stuff, but God fills our hearts and our minds with other prayers where it's got to be different. Our hearts got to be attached to it. So here's the question, right? So how do we know if our prayers actually did anything or if they worked? It's a worthwhile question to ask because chances are if we come to God and like we talk with Him, um, we're going to refer back to maybe past things and be like, well, how successful was it before? Sometimes that's very difficult to answer. At very, very baseline, we do know part of the promise is that a righteous person 
it gets a lot done. That we have to take by faith. Sometimes you just can't put your finger exactly on that. Let's say we have Judson, and he comes out C-section last minute. Does that mean God did not hear our prayers? No, I know that he did. Apparently, he just must have had something else in mind. Would it have been tough to take? Sure. In fact, like when Julie and I, we came together, after Judson was born, we came together, you know, prayed as a family, first time, all four of us. Uh, Jeremy's there in, in the room, and, uh, you know, we prayed. Um, we came before God, we said, God, you know, even if you had this little guy come out, C-section, even, and then even if he came out, you know, missing a limb or something, or like had something, some kind of defect, or something wrong with him. Man, it was so covered in prayer by so many righteous people that this is only your will. And if it would have come out that way, it would have been tougher to take. But it still would have been your will. And we would have still have to have been okay with that. So how can we tell if he answers our prayers? Well, sometimes, sometimes, man, he'll just give us right what we ask. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he'll give us what we ask years later. Sometimes he would just flat out say no. Sometimes he'll just say, man, hold on. Just hold on to me for a while. And one thing I just want to make sure I make clear too before we go, right, the bonus question was, does God like listen and hear all prayers? Because I think there's that, this, this assumption out there. Because I know I have friends. Oh, you know, just, you know, you want to pray about it? Oh, yeah, I guess so. And I'll just kind of throw them up there and we'll just kind of see what happens. You know, we'll just kind of toss some stuff up there and we'll just kind of see wherever it lands. Hey, that's cool. I would just be careful with that. We have some verses up here. Isaiah 1. Take a look at this Isaiah 1 verse. This is very sobering. It says, this is God talking here. He's talking to the nation of Israel because they are just not living right. But they're still going to church. They're still giving their money. And they're still doing religious things. But on the inside, it's, it's jacked up. It's messed up. So he's telling them, Say, when you spread out your hands, it's like when you come to church, you know, you do the worship thing, you know, and you're, you're doing whatever. He says, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. He says, even though you make many prayers, I'm not going to hear it, I'm not going to listen. This is God talking. He's saying, at some point in time, he's like, you know what, I just don't want to hear it. I'm not going to listen to it. Because it's completely hypocritical like what you're doing. You're just trying to involve me to get what you want. Almost use me as kind of like a gypsy type deal. And it does not work that way. Prayer, right, is on God's terms. So when I'm praying for Judson to come in. I'm praying for God's will to happen as he comes in in God's way. Sometimes it's not clear exactly how he wants it to happen. So I just pray what I think God might want. But what's the crazy thing is, as I continue to pray more, God makes it more clear exactly how to pray. So whatever reason, somehow during prayer, God made it clear, He's like, hey, pray for that vaginal birth. I, 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 don't, I didn't really feel around like I should. I should just pray for safety and pray for protection and you know, these kind of things. What happened is, as I continue to come in prayer, the word is fervent. As I continued to come into prayer, God showed me how to pray. I'd be in so much trouble, and we would be in so much trouble, if we engage in prayer at first, right, real hot, 
you know, we get started, we get going, we got to put this thing before God. And then we're not really sensing or feeling anything going on or anything developing, and then it just kind of fades. It just kind of fades. Fades away. And then this other stuff comes up. And then what happens is we're like, oh, that thing we were praying about with that thing. And then we start to feel guilty about it. Oh, that, you know, I should have been praying, but then I wasn't, you know. And, and then the guilt thing comes in, and that totally paralyzes us from anything. When the truth that we needed to hold on to is that we are righteous. We just call them repentance. God, I'm sorry I didn't bring that to you as much as I needed to. I'm sorry I put it off. And I let my flesh get in the way, and I got lazy and procrastinated. But I'm coming before you now. God, help me. Right? It just radically changes everything. So there's like a lot more I wanted to say. But I hope that you get the message across, number one, that I'm telling you thank you. I hope that you're getting the message across that I'm encouraging you guys to just bring whatever it is before God and don't quit on it. That fervency part is kind of difficult sometimes. And the imagery that the Bible uses for fervency, in that James passage after that, talks about Elijah. He's like the illustration of how to pray and continue to pray. Believe it or not, his posture for fervency, when he was trying to bring in rain clouds, you know what his posture was for his fervent prayer? It wasn't like this. He wasn't on his knees. He wasn't like face on the ground. You know what it was? It's crazy. And it was just applicable to... You know, at least the Murphy household situation the past couple weeks. The posture was legs up, head between the knees, birthing position. That was his posture. I kid you not. You go back and you read it. First Kings 17. He was actually trying to birth out whatever God had. He was praying hard. And he had his little tenant next to him. He's praying hard because he's He's praying for rain clouds. God wants some rain to come on the land. It hasn't come for three and a half years. And so he's just like getting down, hunkering down. He's just, God, you know, and whatever he's saying. He tells the tenant, he's like, go check. See if there's any rain clouds. He's like, nah, none there. So he gets back down. So it's like Julie, like pushing, you know, pushing like this baby out, you know, doing her thing. So getting down, prays again, go check. Nothing there, nothing there, nothing there. Seventh time, God comes back. He's like, hey. I see a tiny cloud. It's like the size of a man's fist. He said, okay, God's doing it. we got to go. It's going to start pouring. And then they start running. But so often, like, we just get lost in, like, that fervency part. So the only part about that passage that kind of makes me mad that I don't like about Elijah is that he was praying fervently seven times, but his answer to his prayer happened in one day. It doesn't always happen. Could be one month, could be one year, could be ten years. Man, I know people where they've been praying for their spouse who does not believe, was not a professing Christian. They spent years in that household. And then after years, their spouse comes to know Christ. And then there's the other stories, of course, where the spouses, you know, don't come to know Christ. You know, did they not pray enough? Did they not get involved? Who knows? Who knows? All I know if we want to get work done especially God's work prayer is critical it is just absolutely critical I can tell you I wore myself out in the hospital room just praying 
And it's been a long time since I've done that. I felt this, I just wore myself out, just praying, sitting in that chair. And I hear my wife in pain, you know, and the, ba- the labor got difficult and things weren't all smooth through it. And so I'm praying in the chair. I'm like, God, you know, be with her. Give her the strength she needs. Like, Lord, so many people are praying, you know, answer these prayers, like, come through for us. And I'm just like pouring it out and I'm sitting in this chair and I just pass out. Next thing I know, it's, you know, a couple of hours went by. You know, I fell asleep and sometimes that's what it looks like. Sometimes it's really simple prayer. God, come through right now and just bless this family. Bless my son. Be with my spouse. Whatever, sometimes it's just different each time. So hopefully... This morning, I hope you feel a little bit encouraged, a little more equipped, and I hope that you feel um, that you're appreciated and that your prayers and your commitment, at least to praying for us, is very much appreciated. So let's stand. Um, We won't do the song because we want a little while longer. Uh, But one thing I want to make sure that we take care of is this position issue. So the prayers of a righteous man or, uh, or woman avail much, but they're powerful and effective. But if we're not righteous, sometimes God won't even hear him. But I think other times God hears him, but his hands are tied. Like he just can't do anything because we're not in the correct position before him. So what we could do now is I'll give you an opportunity, like let's get the position right. It doesn't take much. It's very easy. We just ask him for it. So if we could just bow our heads, close our eyes, bow our heads. If, you're in the position where you feel like um, you don't have that direct line to God. Um, you know in your heart of hearts that you have not making that choice to accept what Jesus has done and make yourself righteous. And that's blocking your prayer life. If you think that's the case for you. I mean, your prayers just are um, superficial, shallow, quick, and um, really not much to them but you want it to change. Uh, Just look up. While everybody's um, heads uh, are bowed and eyes are closed, just look up. Just look up. Just look up. And the honesty here is huge. And I'm telling you, it's going to change. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. That's courageous. Anybody else at this moment in time, you want to look up. Everybody's eyes are closed. Everybody's heads are bowed. I know it's a small room, but it doesn't matter. It's between you and God. All right, so we're going to pray together in a minute, in a minute. For those of you that lifted up your eyes, right? Just repeat after me. You don't have to say it out loud, say it to yourself. God, I accept what Jesus has done on the cross for my life. I receive that righteousness simply because your word says so. And I believe in faith that what Jesus Christ did was also done for me. Show me and teach me how to pray with courage and with strength. And for the rest of us, we'll close in prayer together. And say, God, I just want to thank you for our church family that's here. Me personally, I just want to thank you um, for the brothers and sisters that I have before me. And I ask, Lord, that you would just pour out blessing on this group of people who are just for praying for us.
God, the numbers and the doctors and everything was pretty much against what happened. But apparently you had other plans. And so I just thank you and I pray that you would just bless the people here that prayed for us. And God, I also pray and ask that you would encourage and challenge the people here and those of us here to bring our prayer lives to just a new level, to a new place. Where we would just boldly approach your throne, actually believing that our prayers are powerful and that they are doing much. And I pray, God, that you would give uh, the humility and the courage to uh, people here that need it. Because it's not what we are and what we've done, Lord. It's what Jesus Christ has done. And I just want to thank you for that personally because I know who I really am. I know who Jared really is. I know what Jared really thinks. And it's all pretty filthy and disgusting and it's not righteous. But I thank you for that love that you poured out on me and that you poured on all of us who give our lives completely over to you. And so I just pray, God, that just the prayer lives in this room would be transformed. And we also want to pray for our brothers and sisters and intercede for them all throughout the world. God, we don't, we don't even really have names, and, but we just know that we pray for their protection and we pray for your will to be done wherever they are. And um, we pray that you give them strength, that you strengthen their families. And we actually even pray for the oppressors, Lord, that your word would come in powerfully wherever they are. And may you bring to our mind um, these people and their situation just throughout our weeks. So God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that what we see and what we feel is not all that there is. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, if you want to stay up here and get some prayer, like please do. love to pray with you. Otherwise, refreshments downstairs. Um, and have a great week.